Hello and welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Our time together today returns us to our series out of 2 Peter chapter 1 called Know Your Salvation. We want to focus on the substance of our salvation and the outcome. Join us. Once again, from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Pastor Steve Converse is in the middle of a series out of 2 Peter called Know Your Salvation. We're looking at the substance of this salvation, which is grace. And the outcome of this grace is peace. Not just any kind of peace, but peace with God. Join us for a marvelous look at our salvation and understanding the source of this salvation and the substance. 2 Peter chapter 1, we're again looking at the first 11 verses. From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, once again, our teacher and pastor now, with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth, Pastor Steve Converse. And last week, we looked at one of the first points in our outline was that as believers, he wants them to understand in order to combat a lot of the false teaching that's going on, you have to understand a couple things. And we, we first of all, zeroed in on that word knowledge throughout the book. It's mentioned several times throughout the book. And, and Peter really puts a high value on having the proper knowledge in your Christian walk. And so we talked about last week, knowing your salvation. Knowing what makes up your salvation, knowing the source we spoke particularly about your salvation. It says, to those who have obtained a faith, obtained a faith. This isn't something that they earned. This is something that was given to them. It was a gift. You know, you can't have a faith that saves you that's not given to you by God. A lot of people have different kinds of faith. There's a lot of people, though. Do you believe in God? Oh, sure. Yeah, I have faith in God. But it's not saving faith. It's just a general faith. It's a faith that says, yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, he's out there somewhere. But they have no desire to know him. They have no desire to read his word. They have no desire to fellowship with the the people of God. And so you wonder, does that kind of faith save them? And the answer simply is no, it doesn't. The only kind of faith that will save you from the wretchedness of your sin and the pending judgment upon your soul is the faith that's granted to you by God and God alone. That's so important to understand that it's a faith that comes from Him. It doesn't come by going to church. You don't gain that kind of faith by just coming to church. Now, coming to church is good, but it doesn't make you a Christian. Getting baptized doesn't make you a Christian. Praying doesn't make you a Christian. Giving to the poor, feeding the poor, doing all these good things. It doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make your faith valid. The only thing that can make your faith valid is when it comes from that source of God. God initiates faith when the Holy Spirit awakens that dead soul in response to hearing the word of God. That's why it's so important, we believe in our church, that we teach the Bible, that we teach from God's word. Because we believe that within the word of God, there's power to save the human heart. We don't have any power to save anybody. Our church has no power to save anybody. But it's only through the teaching and the preaching of the word of God that that power will come. And will activate those hearts and those souls that need to be saved. Because the source of our salvation is from God and God alone, by his grace alone. Well, today I just quickly want to look at faith substance. Look at verse 2. 
It says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you, 1 Peter 1, verse 2, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, this is very familiar greeting in the New Testament. You can see this greeting all over the place. It's always grace and peace. The Apostle Paul taught the Christians in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 2, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained in our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Paul says in Romans 5, verse 1 there, we have been justified by faith, and because of that, we have peace with God. 1 Corinthians 1, 3 says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. 2 Corinthians 1, 2 says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Galatians 1, 3 says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God wants the substance of salvation, that grace and peace. He wants you to have that. So I want to look at what these two substances are. What's grace and what's peace? So we'll take a couple minutes here and just go through this outline. Grace basically is the word charis in the the Greek. It means God's free, unmerited favor towards sinners which grants those who believe the gospel complete forgiveness forever through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what grace is. It's a gift. It's something that God gives you. Romans 3.24 says that we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his what? Of his grace. Or even over in Titus chapter 3, verse 7. It says, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, it's it's very important for us to understand, beloved, that when we speak of God's grace, this is something that purely, wholly comes from him. That's why it's called grace, unmerited favor. God giving us something that we by no means deserve. In John chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. What an incredible thing, grace upon grace. That's how much grace God has to offer you. It's not just a little drop of grace. It's not a bucket of grace. It's grace upon grace. That means he's got more grace than you'll ever, ever, ever need. It's a boundless flow of divine favor coming from God to you. And when we as believers receive that surpassing grace, it covers every sin. Every sin. A couple verses. Psalm 84, 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's God's grace. Even over in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, it says, And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I mean, don't you want the favor of God upon your life? Don't you want God, God's grace upon you? His unmerited favor? 
I mean, think of after the service, someone walked up to you and said, hey, here's 500 bucks. For me? Yeah, yeah, just take 500 bucks. Well, what's it for? Yeah, just take it. I'm just giving it to you. You're just giving it to me? Come on, what's, is there a catch or something? No, I just want you to have it. Come on, just take it. See, we, we don't understand the concept of somebody just giving us something with no strings attached. And so when it comes to God's grace, sometimes we, we kind of balk. We say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> this, this doesn't make any sense. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You know, there's one thing about doing good works. That's one aspect of the Christian life. But it means something totally different to abound in every good work. Sometimes we do good works. And you know what? The good works we're doing seem to do a work on us. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You just get tired. You get tired of doing good works. It's like, I'm not going to help that person again. They don't appreciate it. Well, God's not that way. He wants us to have all of his grace. He wants it to abound to us so that we can be sufficient in all things at all times that you may abound in every good work. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be sufficient in your occupation, in your job, whatever it might be? In all things, at all times. God wants us to be sufficient in our faith. He wants us to understand that this faith comes by his grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul writes this, But he said to me, my grace, and we've all heard this verse probably multiple times, my grace is what? Sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. God's given you all the grace you're ever going to need. It's sufficient grace. Well, you don't know my situation. I don't care about your situation. It's irrelevant. The idea that God doesn't know your situation is silly to think. He knows everything. He knows what you're going through. He knows the pain in your heart right now. He knows the suffering. He knows maybe the pain that's wreaking your body right now. He knows all those things. And yet he says right here, you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. He said that to the Apostle Paul that I guarantee you probably went through a lot more than you've ever even thought of going through. But he also says, my power is made perfect in weakness. God doesn't want a bunch of Christians who are out there doing their own thing thinking that somehow they can save themselves by all the good works and and just doing whatever they want and not relying on God to lead them and guide them and show them the next step. That doesn't please God. He wants his people to be day by day. Lord, show me today what you want me to do. I want to be dependent upon you. I want to make sure that my my faith is growing, that it's ever increasing. That it's not a static faith. It's not a stale faith that's, you know, been around for 30 years, but I haven't seen you work in my life since I raised that hand or walked that aisle or whatever. If that's the kind of faith you have, maybe you need to stop and examine it, re-examine it. We're told to do that in the Bible. Make sure that you are in the faith. And Paul says there in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. That's an odd concept today. How many times do you hear people boasting about their weaknesses today? You don't hear that. That's one of the questions they ask you usually in an interview. 
What's your greatest weakness? And depending on how you answer that question, that tells a lot about you. And I guarantee you, the person that says, I, I don't have any weaknesses. <laughs> Doesn't do very well, very well in that interview. Because they're lying through their teeth. But he says he's going to boast all the more gladly in his weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, the weaker we are, the stronger God is. That's how this works. Over in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then with confidence, all right, draw near the throne of what? Grace. The throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, God's grace is there. It's there in abundant measure. He has more grace than you could ever dream of needing. And yet so many times... We refuse it. Be silly for someone to try to give you $500. Well, I'm not going to take it. No, I don't want it. That wouldn't be very wise. God wants you to experience his grace. He's done everything possible through the cross, through the, the, the sacrifice of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the resurrection. Taking care of everything. He simply wants your heart to come to him and say, you know what, I need it. I need to be saved. We were over in, the, in Israel when we went to the Dead Sea. I went out in the Dead Sea and you can actually just you start to walk out there and you start to float because there's so much salt. I'm sure some of you have been over there. It's amazing. But what was very interesting, I was talking to a gentleman out there and he said, yeah, he goes, they, they, they tell you not to lay on your, your stomach. Don't float on your stomach. And I'm like, why? They go, a lot of people drown that way. Because they're floating so much, they, can't, they, they just can't flip themselves over and they end up drowning. They said, if you're going to float, float on your back so your, your, your head's out of the water. Really, really weird. And he said, yeah, they don't even really even know that they're drowning until it's too late. See, God is there with his grace, with his mercy, in time of need to help us. But he definitely needs us to kind of say, yeah, I need that kind of help. Thank you very much. Well, that's the first thing he talks about is grace. And he always talks about grace in reference to peace. And grace always precedes peace if you look throughout the scripture. Always. Because you can't understand peace until you've experienced the grace of God. Very simply put. The second word, peace, it has the idea of being at peace, harmony, freedom from disputes, absent of war, comes by God's grace. Ephesians 2, verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace, speaking of Christ, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace. Christ is our peace. Colossians 1.20, it says, And through him, through Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Peace is something that God wants us to have. It flows out of the forgiveness of God that he gives to those who put their faith or trust in him. Even in Psalm 
85 verse 8, it says, Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. Isaiah 26, 12 says, O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. God wants you to experience grace, but he also wants you to experience his peace, beloved. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. May the Lord be with you all. God doesn't want you to live your Christian life worrying and fretting and wringing your hands and trying to, you know, figure out all this stuff that you can't figure out. That's not what God wants you to do. God wants you to experience his peace. He gives us abundant peace for every trial that we may see ourselves going through. Over in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. If there was anyone who ever experienced peace, it was Jesus. He was God. Not as the world gives do I give you, he says in verse 27. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Are you fearful today? Are you, are you troubled about something? God wants you to have peace. God wants you to have complete confidence through his grace. Even over in John chapter 16, verse 33, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, he says. And he qualifies it. He says, you know what? In the world you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble down there on earth. It's not going to be an easy task for you to live as a Christian in this sin-stained world. But take heart, he says in verse 33, I've overcome the world. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, hey, I, I, you know, I'm already at the end and I won. I've already defeated sin and death. It's good to be on my team because if you're on my team, you're on a winning team. Who wants to be on a losing team? I mean, that's kind of silly, isn't it? You don't want to be on a losing team especially when you're talking about all eternity. You want to be on a winning team. And Jesus says that in me, you will have that peace when you experience it through my grace. Well, how do you get this grace? How do you get this peace? I want to say very clearly that this grace and this peace is, they're only available, this is only available to those who know and wholeheartedly embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can have these these items in your life. But he does tell us how we can have it. It's not available to those who do not know and wholeheartedly embrace Christ. It comes through not experience. It doesn't come through working. It doesn't come through anything like that. It comes through one thing. It comes through knowledge. That's what he says there in Second Peter. He says, May grace and peace be multiplied multiplied to you in what? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Savior. That word knowledge is a common word for knowledge, gnosis, epinosis in this, in this circumstance. It, it speaks of a, of a kind of a, a strengthened idea of knowledge of just, it's not just general knowledge. It has the idea of a rich knowledge, a degree of intimacy involved in this kind of a knowledge. It's not just, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know Barack Obama. I know who he is. No, but do you know him? When's the last time you had 
dinner with them. Well, I don't know them that way. Well, this is the kind of knowledge we're talking about here. Romans 3.20 says, For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes what? What comes through the law? Knowledge of sin. Knowledge of sin. See, that's why it's so important that when we come across an unbeliever, when we come across someone who hasn't trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, who doesn't know uh, the way of salvation, it's not always good to start the conversation, you know, do you know that God has a wonderful plan for your life? That's kind of a weak start right out of the gate, to be in all honesty. I mean, you know, a better start would be, do you understand that you're in sin and your, your life is under judgment from God? Would you like to remedy that? And most people, that's the problem. They don't think they're under sin. They don't think they're under judgment from God. They don't think that they sin. Well, I'm not as bad as the guy across the street. That's not the question. The question is, are you holy? Are you perfect? Are you sinless in any way? Have you never done anything in your entire life that has been wrong before a holy God? I would challenge you if you would say yes, because I think there's only one person that's ever done that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. When he lived here in his incarnate body for 30-some years before he gave up his perfect sacrifice, the Bible says, so he was sinless, yet he took on the sin of all of us and paid for that, sin through his sacrifice but it's through the law that we have the knowledge of sin when people don't realize they sin you take them to god's law and you ask them have you ever told a lie well yeah i've told a lie well god calls that a sin have you ever taken anything irrespective of its value from somebody else well maybe when i was little well that's you're a thief you've stolen something have you ever thought of something in your mind, lustful thought, whatever, that's, that's dishonoring? Well, God calls those lustful thoughts adultery of the heart. So, I mean, when you start going through God's law, none of us really can stand up and say, oh, yeah, I keep that commandment, no problem, that one, no problem. No. What happens? When you're confronted with the law of God, what happens? It begins to convict you in your soul. That's why so many people don't want to deal with the God of the Bible. They want to create God in their own image. Well, my God wouldn't judge me. My God wouldn't send me to hell. My God wouldn't do this. My God wouldn't be, my God wouldn't be so narrow-minded. I'm not really concerned about what your God is, in all honesty. I'm concerned about what the God of the Bible has revealed through the Scripture is. Once we get to understand who he is, then we can understand the predicament we're in with all the sin, and then he has provided a way out. Romans 10.2 says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Ephesians 1.17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. See, the substance of one's knowledge is a kind of rational, objective knowledge that comes to us through his word. It's not some experiential, you know, inner feeling that you have or, or some kind of a weird experience. That's not the knowledge we're talking about. We're talking about knowing his word. God has revealed to us the very, on the very pages of scripture his truth. And when it was all revealed, he closed the canon and he said, here, this is good to go. You can take this Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. And you know what? Memorize it, read it internalize it, do whatever you want with it, but it's important that you make this a priority in your life because this is going to get you through the hard times because it's my truth that I've revealed to you. 
God wants us to know him. So much so, he says, may grace and peace be what? Multiplied to you. See, knowledge that brings salvation so that you can experience this kind of grace, this kind of peace, doesn't come from feelings. It doesn't come from intuition. It doesn't come from emotion or personal experience. It only comes through the revealed truth based on the gospel of Christ preached from the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.